Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Welcome back, guys. We've got a bit of a surprise episode today. We're talking about part two of 2022 bows because I ended up buying one. So if you're interested in buying a bow, a Hoyt, Matthews, Bowtech, Prime, I'll give you a real detailed review of the ones I shot and some of the things I've learned. So even if you aren't buying one this year, still probably a valuable episode. New year, new bow. New year, new bow. I know you were a little surprised. And I was like, I bought a bow. <laughs> I was surprised and also not surprised. I was, yeah. I was surprised because of the way uh, we left off the last episode on the 2022 reviews. I was like, oh, I think Baxter is pretty happy with his bow. And then yep. the part of me that's not surprised is, ah, well, it's Baxter. <laughs> yeah, you just get too involved. Well, no, it was um, when I left off the last time, which is with what I think is still a pretty healthy thing, which is it's still kind of evolution versus revolution. Um, but I think a few things happened in the interim, right? Like one, you know, we've talked about this in the other episode, Margaret got a tag in Wyoming. So we're going out there. Um, so with that, she's shooting a bow that'll work for elk, but it's one of those things that like, she's on the borderline of what I'm happy with. And my current bow is lighter than hers. It's carbon. Um, it goes like, the IBO when you actually test it is like 30 feet a second faster. So for her at that 44 pound range, you know, 28 and a half inch draw length, like that's a huge difference in speed. Um, so just thinking about how rare that tag is and the opportunity to hunt on that private land, um, we want to give her like every advantage in the book. Uh, I've spoken like a guy that, you know, is justifying his bow. Right. Um, so, but no, that was one, that was definitely one. And I think the other is I got a bunch of the bows that I was shooting in a left-handed version uh, or was able to test them in a left-handed version, which made a huge difference for me to be able to, um, to shoot them there and like really feel it. But, but I think the last one is like, after shooting a few, I just kind of got back to like, what am I looking for in archery? Like I've got a long enough draw length and I pull enough speed, uh, I don't really need a speed bow, but like the idea of something that was very stable, something I could go try some 3d shoots and compete a little with something that was an absolute joy to shoot to me, that was, that's really exciting. And so the combination of thinking that through and then getting to know one of these bows, which maybe I do a, do a spoiler right now. I bought the Hoyt RX seven ultra, which I think I, I told you or, or Dave, when I talked to him about it, I was like, it's like a unicorn smoking a rainbow or something pretty, pretty incredible bow when you, uh, when you uh, actually shoot it. So yeah, I'm fired up, but I've, I tested three or four of them like crazy. So it's a lot of opinions. Um, yeah. And you were telling works. me a story earlier about how Dave got the same bow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least he, he, uh, he literally, so I talked to him about it. I talked to his wife about it and she was like, Oh, he bought a bow. I was like, he bought a what? Um, I was pretty blown away. I was like, wow, really? And she's like, yeah, yeah. No, I like told him he's, you know, everybody knows I'm a little too anal on this stuff. He's like, oh, I told him he should probably talk to you about it first. And, and he was like, no, I trust me on this one. I know. <laughs> and that was like my exact experience with this. I was like, mm, there's not a question left in my brain. This thing's that good. So it's so funny. You found out you both bought the same bow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty hilarious. I think it's, 
I mean, here's the thing we are, we've been on this before and like, I'll, I'll do it again, but like, there's no such thing as like the best because archery is so subjective and there's so many things that make a piece of equipment, your strategy, where you're hunting, how you're hunting, you know, your background, are you big, you tall, you strong, you, you know, whatever it is that make it so unique. But I don't think there's much argument that the RX seven ultra is bow of the year. Like it's out of control. Good. Um, it's just not something that works for 60% of folks or for 50% of folks. So it's not going to make any of the top lists. It's not going to get the glitz and the glam of some magazine or something. It's just freaking joy to shoot for, for the folks that it works for. Yeah. Why do you think it works so well for, for you, for, for D? What, well, what it's because like we it? talked about last time when I was kind of talking it down a bit, uh, which are two things I'm still not like in love with, but I've come full circle and we'll talk about why. Um, it's not fast and it's not, it's still like relatively heavy for a carbon bow. Mm-hmm. Um, in those two things, like unless you're pulling good poundage, you're a big guy with like a decent draw length, um, big poundage and decent draw length. Like you can't get the speeds you want with a heavy arrow. And then you have to kind of be, what happened to me, which is like, I, I came full circle to, I want something that's a little heavier. That's really, really accurate. That's super long axle to axle. Um, I did a ton of experimenting with my old 34 inch defiant and my current 33 inch PSE and some really cool findings there as far as like the differences in those. Um, so I think you have to want those two things. And I think most folks like Margaret, for example, like there's just no way I'd recommend this bow to her, even at her 28 and a half, she's got to have at least the regular RX seven or something that's just faster, right? She just Mm -hmm. needs the speed. Um, but for guys looking for like the ultimate Western, like super forgiving, super long axle axle bow, it's pretty amazing. Nice. And Oh, so how long did it take you or what other bows were you shooting when you were at the range and what were the biggest differences you found and like ultimately what made you decide on the, on the Hoyt? Yeah. Well, I remember the other thing that happened the first time I just, I always, I always feel like I'm a punk when I say this stuff, but like I went into the bow shop and the guy that was showing me that the first time just didn't know that much about it. Like and he told me a few things that were a lie. You couldn't put a uh, standard mount sight on it. You had to have a Picatinny. You know, you should put a uh, put a normal um, or like one of the integrated rests on it. But both of those things, like if you just looked on the side of the bow, there's holes for mounting your standard stuff that's already on your current bow. So that that kind of exited out in my brain. So I went back the second time uh, when I found out Margaret was getting this tag, and I was like, well, I should just go played around and I shot it again and looked and no, you could actually mount those two things. And they had a left-handed version this time. Mm-hmm. And the experience of drawing something left-handed is like so different than a right-handed bow. It's fine if you draw everything right-handed and then everything left-handed, but like mixing and matching just doesn't work that well. Um, uh, I see. Yeah. So long story you- short, I went back a second time, shot it and was like, holy crap, that's like my dream bow. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after that, went back a third and a fourth time to shoot it against a few other bows just to be sure. Cause I'm like, if I'm dropping that kind of money, I want to be really sure I like it. But, mm-hmm. but a few things like just imi- like immediately jumped out um, uh, about it is the grip. Like the grip, I think is one of the most important things on a bow. It's like what makes you repeatable. And like, it just gets along well with your hand. And that grip is amazing. Um, they really thinned it out and they've made a really good spot for the thumb, which is like my number one pet peeve. Cause that, 
I think of all accuracy in a bow, the number one problem with your grip is you put a little too much pressure on the thumb. Mm-hmm. And a lot of risers, your hand just slides up the riser and hits the shelf, the bottom of the shelf, I feel like. Um, so the grip was unbelievable. Um, the draw cycle is uh, insanely mellow, insanely mellow. Like I think, uh, you know, I just normally shot like 66.5, 66.5 pounds on my other bow. You know, like pulling a V3 Matthews, I could probably shoot a little more. Shooting the Hoyt, I could definitely shoot even more than that. Like it's it's a tangibly easier bow to pull, hmm. and it's just so relaxing and so fun to pull. Um, so that's one. And then the other was um, probably the, the second most important thing. Like the, at the end of the day, the draw is pretty fun, but like the draw and the hand vibe and the shot, like those are all just like nice to haves. The balance of the thing. Um, and not just like static balance, like holding it out, but the dynamic balance as you draw it, hmm. um, it just stays upright and stays pulled back. I mean, I think that it's a heavier bow, right? But they've used that carbon to make it insanely rigid. Um, like there's, there's definitely plenty of carbon there if it still weighs like four and a half pounds, over four and a half pounds. Um, and so what you don't see is you put, Adam put it on a drawboard too. Trust me, the bow shop was not like my biggest fan by the end of all this. Um, but like had him put it on a draw board and you can draw it through the entire cycle and you don't even see the cams lean. It's so stiff. Um, but that balance front to back and top to bottom, uh, was incredible. And I think we can dive more into this later, but I think I can actually get away with a lot less weight of accessories, just given that balance, um, and stability. So, um, it held the yeah, anyway, handle amazing, held amazing, um, and the balance is phenomenal. And then the two things that I noticed that everyone else raves about, about the bow, like it's their biggest two things, but I kind of don't care. Yeah. The draw cycle and then shooting it. It's probably the deadest bow I've ever shot. Even with the Matthews, Matthews used to own that, but I think it's pretty much there. If not a little better, I, I don't even know. It's, it's, which is crazy. Cause Matthews was like the only person on the market that had that bows that dead. Um, anyway. Wow. So yeah, that was kind of what stood out in that made me go holy moly this is a unicorn bow and then uh and then i went back and started shooting a bunch of others against it to go okay is this worth it or am i just kind of you know a little overhyped yeah uh what was the differences in the other ones you think when you shot was it noticeably yeah. in the handle was it noticeably in the balance was it the draw man so many little things i think what it, it came down to the rx7 ultra and the um, V3X 33 mm-hmm. for me. Uh, we'll get that in a minute, but I eliminated the Botech Revolt XL pretty quick. Um, and then the Prime uh, inline five, you know, 35 axle. They're both longer. We talked about this in the other episode that, like, for elk hunting, I think the longer axle to axle bows, more stable, you know, the little more forgiving brace height. That's just a far better decision because you're super tired you're at altitude you're making angled shots it's hard so that's kind of the subset of bows i went for Mm -hmm. um and that's the set i mean if you're looking at that type of bow those are that's the bow from every manufacturer right um the botex they're they come in overweight so they're heavy um they had a decent amount of vibe i don't really care about that but your handle was pretty good uh, i thought but the thing that killed it for me is the speeds to draw so you'd get actually shorter, the SR350 had like a shorter brace height and it would barely match the Hoyt speed on the comfort setting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then their Voltex L was like way below the Hoyt speed on the comfort setting. Those the Botex have two settings. Um, and so I'm like, well, why would I uh, like the Hoyt is like an utter dream to pull. And yet it's a little faster than these things. And as a seven inch brace height, it's just a non starter, you know, mm-hmm. and it's lighter and it's carbon. So your hand doesn't freeze off, you know, 15 degrees in the morning. Yeah, um, yeah, like mine. They really quickly eliminated that. I think the Bowtech, though, they have that little like they've got this little thing on the limb that allows you to move the cam with a with a hex key, so you can basically tune it without a bow press. Right. So that is really cool. So for guys that are like, I don't want to buy a bow press and whatever, that's really brilliant system. But yeah, there just wasn't anything else that stood out about it to me. I was like, okay, next. Yeah. What's interesting about what you're saying about this process of finding the right bow is it really is about finding the right bow for you. It yeah. seems like it's a feeling. I mean, a big part of it, there's like the specs and whatnot. But beyond that, it seems like from your experience this time around testing, it does come down to the feeling. How do you totally. know when you know that it's right? <laughs> I think you only know by comparison and by shooting and like minute observation. So like, there's just a lot of things I've slowly learned about my bows and the way I like them. And we can really unpack that when I talk about the V3X and the, the RX-7 Ultra, cause I really liked the Hoyt Matthews too, which is really surprising to me. Um, cause I've been pretty anti-Matthews. They've been very top heavy and just heavy in general in the past. Um, but I think those little things you don't, I don't, I'm not like a sophisticated bow connoisseur, right? Like I know things I'm good at and things I'm not necessarily like I don't shoot 40 bows a year like a lot of these guys, right? Um, but I think you over time you just shoot bows enough and you're in tune with them, pun intended, that like you notice little things. And when you shoot the bows back to back like that, like I think the most important thing about going to shoot bows at a archery store is that again, they don't love you when you do this, but you know, at the end of the day, I just bought a two thousand dollar bow from them, so they're stoked. Uh, but it's like exact draw length like set it up right there for me you know exact same pound engine all of them set it up right there for me okay give me your little hand scale i'm gonna weigh these and i'm gonna pull the stabilizer off the hoyt i'm gonna you know make them apples to apples so like you get it set up totally the same then i put all three or four in the same lane and just literally go through them you know one by one by one by one by one um and it when you do it like that, like a scientific test, A versus B, eliminate all the variables. It's it's just so obvious so quick. Hmm. So um, when you stack them all in that lane, do you shoot one arrow and then one, one, one? What do you do? Two? What What's your process? I, I typically shoot them all and then just kind of go, well, okay. But I always then focus on one thing every shot. Oh. So I end up shooting them all probably like 20 times each or 10. I mean, it's a tiring. So I always also like I have them shoot turn them down to like 60 at least, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm going to be shooting a lot of bows that I haven't shot before. Um, so definitely go like five or 10 below your, your poundage, but then I'll focus on one thing. So say I shoot the bow tack and I go, huh, there's a little vibe there. Right. Um, again, I don't really care as much about vibration. I think it's complete bogus. Cause like once you put your stuff on almost any bow, even my PSE that kicked like a mule, just totally tamed down but say like the back wall like a mushy back wall versus a strong back wall then i'll like pull like i'll find the two bows that i'm like noticing that difference on and i'll pull them one right after another And when you do it like literally right after another with the same arrow weight you can really tell got it so you'll shoot a bow and then you'll notice something about the bow and then 
pay attention to that thing on the next bow. Totally. And then I, you know, when I've whittled out, like pretty quickly, I'll whittle out the things I don't like, then I'll actually pull a bow a few times in a row because it's not different. Isn't necessarily bad. It's just, and that's why you, I think you see a lot of guys stick with brands. I kind of wish I went with the Matthews almost then I could be like, Ooh, yeah, I've been with like a new brand every time I bought a bow, but you know, there's things about it. Like a Hoyt tends to stack the RX-7 Ultra stacks. One of the things that's amazing about it is it, if you were to graph it, it's like a, a, a peak, like a really sharp little tiny peak and a massive drop off on either end versus a lot of the bows now, like the Matthews are more like a plateau. Mm-hmm. It's a lower plateau, but it's a plateau. So it's a little stiffer across the entire draw versus the Hoyt peaks early and real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a totally personal thing. Are you stronger when your arms are closer together? I think everyone is, but like, do you like that more? Um, you see, when you feel those different things, you kind of get to learn what's different about each, you know? Yeah. And there's stuff that I hadn't really paid attention to, like the thumb. I never really thought about that. Yeah. And now, now I'm just trying to remember what it feels like to draw my bow. It's been a while. It kind I don't know. It, it kind of feels like the peaks a little later and then boom, it hits the back. Yeah. But huh, yeah, <laughs> yep. up, up until this point, I've just been like, yeah, I like my bow. My bow is cool. You look great. At the same well, I mean, time, I'm kind of ignorant, right? Ignorance is bliss. Like I've only really totally. shot this bow. So, and yeah. you're not in the spot where you want, like you have a fantastic bow for you and what you're doing and like, don't change it. And you know, and I think that's another thing I'd say is don't go into a bow shop and shoot bows. If you aren't excited about it, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like going to a bar and having five drinks and saying, you don't want to meet somebody. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you're setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you really do get to like analyze it. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not like something special with this stuff. It's just that when you put two bows back to back one after the other, you really do notice the little things. And I always try to analytically, I kind of go through the same way I'd go through a shot sequence. I start like back to front or sorry, front to back. Like I start with where my hand touches the handle. Mm-hmm. Then I like feel the balance of the bow. Then I feel the draw then I feel how it pulls against the wall. Like I think about each of the different things separately as I mm-hmm. kind of play with it. Um, yeah. You bring your so, own arrows? No, I, you know, so I did bring my own arrows because I also, another cool thing is I brought in my current bow, mm-hmm. which is another really great thing to do because you can, uh, then you're just, you're, if you go and you're just looking at the new bows, you're fighting them out against each other. But when you show it against your current bow, you're like, oh no, actually there is a difference there that's better. Uh, I think yes. when you looked at the specs of the RX-7 versus my current bow, I'm like, eh, not interested. But when you start to feel and notice the little things they can't market, they can't advertise, they can't communicate, you're like, wow, that's that's actually a tangible difference. Um, right. Because things like the reality of this is like, I really wish I could take each of these home and shoot it for a month. Cause then you can adapt to each one mm-hmm. fully. And then understand if it's just because you aren't used to it or not, and like you'll never know. But the problem with that is that if you don't have something to compare against your current bow, it's not great. So yeah, long winded answer to your question, which is I did have my arrows for one. The other times I didn't, I literally just shot the same arrow every time. Cause the little lane they had is like three feet away from the wall. So I shot it, pulled it out, shot it, pulled it out. Yeah. Just so I got the exact same experience every time. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important point. I, I didn't even think about bringing, cause I never had to really buy a better bow. I've only bought, bought one. So yep. yeah. Important point for folks out there is bring your bow in so you can compare not just the new to the new, but the new to the old as well. 
Yeah. And I was, I had just turned my down a bunch of turns because uh, I hadn't been shooting much. And I didn't realize mine was at 60. So I had them use the, because the other thing about drawboards and scales is they're all different. Like none of them are perfectly accurate. You just want precise. And so when I came in, their scale was showing my bow at 60.5 pounds. Like, oh, wow. Okay. So put everything else at 60.5. I saw, I thought it was at 63 mm-hmm. on mine. So, you know, apples to apples again. But right. um, so anyway, yeah, the Bowtech went pretty quick. Um, uh, and then, yeah, and they had the speed setting too, but like that was not a fun experience and it didn't get much faster than the other options. So I was like, yeah, this is gone. Then the Prime, um, liked a lot of things about the Prime, but my gosh, the draw was just really stiff. Mm-hmm. It was almost as stiff as my PSE. Um, and yet it was... Uh, and yet it was not much faster than the Hoyt and the V3X. So I was like, that's just not an option. Like I want something that's fun to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of did it in for me, but the handle was not so bad. I don't, I mean, I guess I know why they don't do this. They're selling carbon bows, but other manufacturers, it'd be just as easy to put plastic around the whole grip. So you don't feel the aluminum like they do. It's really cool. It held pretty steady. Um, I like the combo of 35 inch axle to axle, five inch brace height rock solid on the back wall, um, which I don't mind because I do shoot command release like we talked about. Not like I don't have to pull through the wall. You can still pull through a rock hard wall. Um, now, so the Prime was good. I liked it, but it just uh, that the stiffness of that. And then it was a little more vibe and noise. Just the, the whole shot experience wasn't as fun mm-hmm. um, and the speed wasn't amazing. Yeah. And actually, I've heard you mention that the word fun a few times here. It seems like that is important to you. Um, I'm going to guess why is it because if you optimize for something that's fun to draw smooth to draw something that feels good, that encourages you to shoot more practice more and overall just get more enjoyment out of shooting. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think the, the thing that's important with this is like, be honest with yourself because for me, you know, I like to think of myself as me a year ago before I had a kid and I was living somewhere where I (laughs) could go practice like, at a world-class 3D archery range year-round, two times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality now is like we've got a hard winter here, and like there's you know you can go shoot the same marked yardages, but like that's not too exciting. And so I'm not going to shoot as much as I did. Um, I've shot the same bow for three, four years. I'm kind of like used to it. It's not like super exciting per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that yeah, for sure. Like there's definitely an element of that, like fun, exciting. Um, and I think the idea of a new bow too is like, you're going to be pretty fired up on it and want to shoot a bunch. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah. And then, um, cause then yeah. if you have a positive experience with practice, then that's, I mean, that's good for skill acquisition. Because <laughs> if you don't like practice, then it's not going to be great yep. for, for maintaining that skill. For sure. But I learned, I mean, maybe we hit on that other stuff I was talking about earlier, which is I, so looking back, I think I was, I was incredibly accurate with that defiant 34. They just had the tuning problem with that cam. I still am pissed at Hoyt and I'm kind of sad I gave them more money because they had a blatant problem with those cans. They didn't fix it. They just put a pro label on it a year later, which sounds like what they did with these cans this year because there were alignment problems on the RX-5. But anyway, I want to talk to someone at Hoyt before I throw them under the bus like that. But it seems like they fixed cam problems by changing the name of it a year later. Um, But that bow, even with the tuning problems, is insanely accurate. And if I look back on my progression... I was way worse of an archer 
and I was shooting phenomenal groups at 80, hundred yards, even with that. And then it took me like six months of having the PSC to get there. So I think I was shooting well in spite of that bow, but not because of it. I mean, it's a 3.2 pound bow. It's freaking twiggy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the thing, so I was like, what is that? So I spent a lot of time in the garage down here, pulled that other bow out of its old case and started shooting it again. Um, and I think that astounding one for me is the string angle. So if you think about your nose, right, uh, that's where you're going to anchor the string. Um, if you have everything else set up in your jaw, well, um, but when you lean your head forward, it's not a straight line forward, right? You don't like push it out straight. It's like an arc. Mm-hmm. It arcs down towards the ground, right? Like a, uh, like the top part of a D, you know what I mean? It just arcs down in a curve. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is with the 33 inch bow, or it was like 32 and a half with smaller cams, um, you're, when I push really hard into the wall, you pull, you essentially pull that string away from your face and you're already having to lean down a hair and every little bit more, you have to arc that arc to get out to the string. You have to go a long way down. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And like so dropping your chin down, down. Yeah. Down. Yeah. And so while it did fit pretty well in 33 is a good length that, that little bit, that ability to pull into the wall was so much greater with the Hoyt. Um, and I thought it might've been D loop length. Cause that's usually what that is, but they both was like 11 millimeters and 13 millimeters on the other. I mean, they're freaking identical. Um, but really the, the, the weight and the length of that bow with that really relaxed string angle gave me the ability to really crush into the back wall. And that's what really stiffens up your pins. Hmm. So uh, that's, that's the difference between a, a longer axle axle and a shorter. Yeah. You get that better draw, that better string angle angle. For yeah, sure. Yeah. And then also it's just the longer riser. The riser is really the thing that stabilizes, in my opinion, or more weight. You know, if you look at the RX7 and the the Defiant, the Defiant's actually lighter, right? And it's an aluminum bow. It's just that they beefed up everything. The limb pockets, the limbs are wider, the cam track is a lot wider, the cam itself is beefier, the um the ends of the limbs are thicker. They basically made that entire system more rigid and more um uh, like heavier and you mm. put all that weight, it's like a stabilizer. You put it way out on the end of the bow mm. and it's going to make it a lot more oh, wow. simple versus the PSC is just light the entire way through, uh, which is what it's designed for. And I think, I think if I was a short draw guy and I wasn't obsessed with like target, like I want to play with a target ish bow this year. And like, I want to, if you're pure play, just elk hunting that levitate or the, that PSC carbon bow is truly phenomenal. Like I really think for what it was, it's an unbelievable bow. It's just, it's not going to compete with this one in accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it is what it is. So anyway, after playing with that one downstairs, it kind of brought a lot of that together for me. I was like, wow, okay. There's a big difference there. Um, yeah. And then it really came down to just the, the ultra versus the V3X 33, the Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both, hilariously enough, they're both the exact same weight. Oh, wow. Like we pull a stabilizer off and you do all this stuff. Um, yeah. And so like, I think this is probably going to be the decision most guys are making this year if they're hunting with a Western bow. So maybe we dive a little deeper into that one. Yeah. Know, well, yeah. Spec wise, what's the difference? And then how did it feel compared to each other? Well, you know what I'm not going to do is rattle off their specs. I know that like the, the V3X is 33 axle to axle versus the Hoyt is 34. 
Okay. B3X is 6.5 race height versus the Hoyt is seven. So just a little more forgiving on everything on the, the Hoyt there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they both say they're about the same uh, as far as speeds, but the Matthews is six to eight feet per second faster for like the same draw weight, huh. which really isn't anything, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so they're very, very similar bows. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few, like a few pretty big differences for me, like, as I kind of shot them and then again, like the things that don't work for me might be things that really work for another guy. Um, but one was the handle. So that handle, for some reason, the angle of it is much more upright. And then it also tends to slide you up into the shelf with the thumb, like I was talking about, which drove me nuts. Uh, I think for anyone that buys that bow or is interested in that bow, number one step is to take the damn handle off that thing uh, because that it's just this blocky, chunky, weird plastic thing that doesn't, it's horrible. It's horrific. Um, put the side plates on it. And that's, I did that in the shop, pulled the handle off and um, played with it, but I just could not get that grip to work for me super well. So guys that have shot a Matthews will probably like it, but I think, I think the Hoyt is a little more angled and that's naturally the way your hand sits when it's straight. So for me, it was just a much more repeatable, easier experience. Um, just felt a lot better. And like, it just didn't, the Matthews just wanted to ride my fingers up into the bottom of that shelf, which was a little mm-hmm. annoying. Um, so that's probably the number one difference. And the main reason I went with one bow over the, over the other, but then there were a bunch of other little tiny things, the draw on the Matthews. So I think there's this misnomer right now where everyone's like, oh, it's a smooth bow to draw. It's a smooth bow to draw. I think there's a huge difference between an easy bow to draw and a smooth bow to draw. And I'll tell you why in my mind, a smooth bow to draw doesn't have like giant peaks in the draw cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't drawn some speed bows or anything, like when you draw through them, like they'll have these massive humps you have to pull over or through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's not a smooth draw, right? So there's a lot of smooth drawing bows in the market that are generally like pretty linear experience. Mm-hmm. But the difference is like the ease of draw weight. So pulling the Hoyt at 65 and the Matthews at 65 or, or 60, I think I did them both at, the Hoyt felt five pounds lighter wow. legitimately. I mean, it was it was legitimately five pounds. Like I was looking back at the guys and like, um, I don't know how to describe it. I was like windshield wipering the bow. I was just like in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. Like, ha ha, that's so easy. You know, like, like it was just like a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely a lot easier draw the very different and where it loads, the Hoyt loads up front. The Matthews tends to load the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Like I said a little more peak and then on the back wall, the Hoyt tiny bit spongier. Um, the Matthews a little bit stiffer, which I liked tiny bit. Um, but the thing that was really different is the, the Valley. Uh, again, valleys, everyone's like, Oh, better Valley, but it really breaks down into two things. I think it's the, the um the transition into the valley how abrupt that is but then it's also the length so how long it dwells or it's in that valley before it hits the back wall and both of them transition pretty smooth into the valley i think the, the hoyt did it a little better but not much but the the valley on the matthews is a little short so even though it's an 80 85 valley it's just not long so if you relax even a little bit it's just it wants to go on you just a little bit sooner um for sure. If you, if you shoot them both back to back. Uh, so that was one. What else? I'm just running down the list. Um, handle, draw. 
uh, vibration and shot was both pretty similar. Um, I felt like they both held pretty similar, which was funny because the Matthews is a you know, taller, I think a slightly taller riser. Um, I got to say though, the Matthews looks freaking amazing. Like I got a thing for that, like hyper machined aluminum. And then also the color that like brown gray on there, the granite color is so sick. So from like a look standpoint, I kind of wanted the Matthews to work out, but yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And then the, uh, it, the integrate the rests in the site mounts, they're both doing a Picatinny site thing, but you can do a normal site. They're both doing their own kind of, oh no, no, they're not doing a Picatinny. The Matthews does one where it goes through the middle, but the middle, it's not compatible with the black gold. It's like you literally pull the V-bar out of your slider site and you stick it into the riser of the Matthews, but that's not compatible, which is really annoying. So I have to go buy another piece. I also, just in general on these things, I'm pretty skeptical of both of those. Like, I think you can still get the arrows in tight. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so that was one I was like minus one for the Matthews. Um, that, the, that the only way to make that work would have been to do that. I had to buy something else. I guess you have to do that with the Picatinny on the, the Hoyt anyway. So never mind. Those net out. Uh, but that system was a little more annoying. Oh yeah. No, I remember why. It's because they're integrated, um, their integrated quivers don't really work well if you don't have that system. And so I couldn't really get the arrows as far over versus the Hoyt integrated quivers, even with the traditional sight and a traditional rests that stick out from the side of the bow, I still can get the arrows behind them in really close. So that was a big difference for me. Um, and then balance, like we talked about on the other bow and then I'll be done. I know I'm going into super detail here, but I think most guys would be really excited about it if they're thinking about new bows. The Matthews is still a little top heavy, just a tiny bit, but it's still top heavy. And like the draw, like the dynamic movement of the bow when you're holding and pulling through it wanted to go over just a hair. Um, and so for me, I'm going to have to get the same accuracy or like comfortable hole. I'm going to have to put a back bar on it or a sidebar versus I don't think I'm going to have to do that on the Hoyt. So it, that effectively makes it a lighter bow. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. There are so many factors that I just hadn't really thought about. And it's good to give people words for these feelings. Cause I, I think like some people they'll probably, I mean, I know I would have just gone in and said, Hey, that feels good. Or that doesn't feel as good, but yep. what about it doesn't feel good. Is it the balance? Is it the handle, the draw cycle? Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really good. Um, it's really good points to bring up for people's awareness when choosing on a bow. Yep. Yeah. I think it was, it was all good stuff. And I mean, at the end of the day too, the carbon thing, I don't have to, Cause it's, everyone's like, well, I'll just hold the riser or that's right. The grip. But when you're moving around, you hold every part of the bow. At least I do when I'm moving through the woods. So when I'm out and it's 10, 20 degrees in the morning elk hunting, I don't like gloves. I hate gloves. They make you less accurate. It's a weird experience. So the carbon is very nice to have. Um, the biggest difference between those two though, is like a $550 price tag, Yeah, <laughs> um, which is a lot of money. But uh, for me, I was like, uh, it's just not, you know, whatever, like I care more about the bow I want. Um, and I think probably most guys will in archer that are really serious about archery, honestly. Mm -hmm. But if I was price constrained, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not talking down or anything. Like that's the reality. Most of the time it's like, I, that would definitely push me towards the Matthews a little bit, but 
yeah. all that stuff together, I was like, yeah, this is this is just a better, uh, better feeling bow. So the last bow you shot for a couple of years, this one I'm guessing you'll have for a little while as well. Yeah. What would make you get a new one? <laughs> what yeah, would have no, to I be better? This is what's funny about this stuff. It's um, like I said, it's like revolution versus evolution. But I feel like this is a far, far superior. Oh, that's one thing I forgot. Is like, yeah, the Matthews is faster, but I can for sure pull a few more pounds with the Hoyt, which will even that out easily. Mm. Um, but I think the just the ease, like shoulders never get younger. So the ease of like pulling that bow and shooting it, that shot experience and the accuracy of it, I think they've made absolute leaps and bounds compared to the Defiant in those. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is just drastically different which is, was very surprising to me because everything else is the same, if not actually worse stat-wise. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the actual feeling and shooting of the bow, it's just very, very different. Um, and I haven't even shot them at distance yet, but I'm pretty sure that when I get it out to 80, 100 yards, it's going to be a big difference there. But um, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't... Uh, honestly, th- with this, they've taken pretty much everything I'd, you'd want in an accurate Western bow and done it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'd... I'd after really getting to know it, I'm like, well, I don't know what they can do from here. They could make it faster. Yeah. They could maybe make it a little lighter mm-hmm. or just take more weight and keep pushing it out towards the ends. I'd be happy with that too. Um, but yeah, man, they're all, they're all approaching. <laughs> they're all approaching like diminishing <laughs> returns. Yeah. I got yeah. a feel for these guys. There's like you, you release a bill like this and it's like now better it. Like it's going to be tough. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. think about like the iPhone when it first came out. It's like, what? You have like a, you can have an iPod and a phone in one and then connect to Wi Fi. And then later it's just like, yeah, the camera is like slightly better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I think, yeah. And I think, uh, oh, I didn't even talk about the little tweaks. So the other cool thing about it. So for guys that are interested, I'm not buying a pick, Picatinny rail. I am not buying a new site. That's like a $300 of upgrades for nothing, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm putting my traditional site on the side of it. I'm not using that Picatinny rail on the front. Um, I should probably share my screen, Josh, so you can see what I'm talking about. Cause you're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, this is the first time I've heard that word, pick a Picatinny? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's on an AR-15, this thing right here. Oh, um, oh. So you can I mount see. directly to that. And the idea, the theory behind this is that all these things bring all your weight that's on the right, for a lefty on the right side of the, oh. left side of the bow. I don't know. On the off side of the bow pulling the bow to the side and more in line with the center, which gives you less torque. But right. for me, it's kind of funny because it's like, well, it's only like an inch or a half an inch if that. Um, so I'm just going to ra- mount my traditional sight on the side of it and my traditional rest on the, uh, in the burger hole, not on the little, there's another rail right here. That's like this Picatinny rail that they've used to integrate the rest directly onto the back of the bow mm-hmm. now. Um, interesting. Yeah. That rail but, is kind of an interesting design. Is this the first year people have started doing that? Or... It's the second year ish okay. for these guys. Yeah. It's the first year they've like gone full hog. At least Hoyt has and like fully integrated these things instead of letting you bolt them on afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm not going to deal with that stuff because I think it's not worth the, the return. But also, you can see there's uh, two piece quiver mounts on these. And, you know, if you're using a tight spot on my other tight spot on my PSC, it's like 10, 10 and a half ounces, something like that. Um, mm-hmm all in with the mounting hardware and the Hoyt two-piece that they came in, um, which gets way tighter into the bow. So it brings all that weight of your arrows like in line with it. Even mm-hmm. with these 
these non-traditional things. Yeah. Um, you can just, just make sure you buy the six arrow quiver and put four arrows in it or the, I'm trying to figure out, get my hands on a four arrow version of it. Um, you can still slide it in behind that stuff and get it way tight, which that's why I'll save weight is because you, with that, the balance of the bow really doesn't want to go over right hard. Right. I don't right. need to put that offset stabilizer. Like I've got on the, the PSC on there. Oh. Um, so I think I'll save some weight there. The Hoyt two-piece quiver is also like three ounces lighter when I weighed mm. it than the uh, um, the tight spot. So if you're thinking three ounces there, you're thinking uh, like, I call it probably four or five ounces at least. So about half a pound of weight on that stuff you're saving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this bow is effectively four, six or the other one's three, two. So you're talking now it's just 0.8 pounds heavier um, yeah. and that my bow like i waited the other day with five arrows in it everything set up to hunt the current psc it's like 6.2 pounds 6.25 pounds mm-hmm. uh and so that means the hoyt will be somewhere like high sixes okay which is where's it yeah 6.2 yep yeah uh, which is fine that's like just over the way of the shotgun i carry all day right shocker hunting so i'm like hey that's in the realm of okay Mm-hmm. So basically, even though it is a much heavier bow, you're going to be able to save half a pound with its design, which kind of nets out a little bit, which right. is pretty cool too. And I didn't realize that before until I really started kicking the tires and all the little things you can do and tweak. Yeah. The Carbon RX Ultra looks pretty cool. <laughs> what color did you get it in? Uh, this one. Yeah. It's like a uh, sub-outline. Yeah. Nice. They just had one on order already. And I don't know. I used to love the solid colors of the buckskin one, but something about it now, it's super tan. It's super light. Yeah. I love that Matthews. If they had the Matthews color, I would have bought it in that in a heartbeat. But mm-hmm. um, some of the solid ones do look cool. They're just, I don't know, just went with the yeah. Sitka. It so looks really see, good in person. So if you see a guy walking around with a Sitka Carbon RX 7 Ultra without the Picatelli sight, maybe it's going to be Baxter this fall. <laughs> I think there's going to be an absolute ton of Western Bill Murphy this year, <laughs> even with even with the $2,000 price tag. I think that... Uh, it's that good. Um, yeah. But so is the Matthews. You'll see those too. Like they're, they're all great bows. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I didn't even talk. Hoyt has the, Hoyt has the uh, aluminum one. What is that called? Bentum Pro mm-hmm. 33. Uh, but that one was like very heavy. It's a full 0.8, almost a full pound heavier than the Matthews. And honestly, it just, it had a lot of the same things as the, the Hoyt, but it took away a lot of the little tiny changes. It's like a little bit of the brace height, a little bit of the axle to axle, a little bit of the vibe came back that it felt much more in line with the Matthews. And so I probably would have gone the Matthews versus that, which is why it ended up Matthews versus the ultra. Uh, I see. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of where we ended up, but. Yeah, so hopefully helpful for guys that are interested in bows this year, but also just helpful for guys that are thinking about buying bows and like the process and how that goes down. Um, yeah, if you were to nuance to this stuff. Yeah, there's a lot. If you were to give a piece of parting advice to those folks in the market for a new bow, what what would you say? Shoot them, shoot them a lot. <laughs> Think well, about you what you're it. looking for and why. Uh, just go shoot them left and right, and if it's like I'm, I'm laughing about the bow shop. They don't like me, but they were, you know, there was one grouchy old dude in there was like, oh, are you ever going to buy a bow? And then like three or four of the other guys, like 
jumped on him, right? Like, oh, no, no, no. It's totally cool, man. Like, he's going to spend two grand. Like, it's, you know, he should buy what he wants. Like, if you can't find a shop that's willing to do that for you, like, walk out the door. You know, like, that's, they should be, if you're, you're spending that much money, they should be really comfortable spending an hour or two with you setting up yeah. those. Not with you, but I mean, like, you know, spend 10 minutes setting all these bows up, let you play with it for 30 minutes, spend another 10 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, um, that's part of the game. So, yeah, just shoot them a ton go to one bow shop that has them all if possible and just sit there. That's always the hardest thing is finding a bow shop that doesn't just like carry two brands because then it's a much more difficult comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh man. Maybe next year, maybe next year I'll start shooting some. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get shop. you too excited. We don't, the good thing you're, uh, you're out of the country at the moment. You can't, uh, can't make you spend more money <laughs> already spending too much here. Yeah. Um, well, actually though, you brought up a really good point. Like a really good point, which is guys listening to this, they're like, I'm not buying a bow this year. It's like, yes, you like you're you're buying a bow right now. Like you're talking about the used market in one to two years, which is always a great deal. You oh, that's I mean? true. Yeah, yeah. So like oh, if yeah. you're if the things I just said resonate with you, like just give it a year. Cause these things don't like I think this RX7 is a step jump for Hoyt, mainly because their design of carbon bows for the last four or five years, uh, if I'm being aggressive, just wasn't that great. Um but other than those kinds of things, there's rarely big jumps. So you know, being able to go in and, and get them a year later is a great, great stinking deal. I mean, that $1,200 Matthews will probably be 800 bucks or 700 yeah, so, bucks, you know? So if D gets a new bow next year, maybe I'll buy his. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, one, of yeah. the best ways, one of the best ways to buy bows is like a year or two behind the market. You know, so you buy one that's a year old and you run it for two years and then you buy another one that's a year old. So you're always like one year behind mm-hmm. if you can just get over the hype and then you're, um, you know, but then you've got these really nice bows are really good deals. It's a phenomenal right. way to do it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you probably get what 90% of the benefits of the last year's bow compared to this year for what's how much, what percent of the cost, like. Oh, you probably get 95 for like 60% of the cost. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the main thing that stops guys from doing that again is the draw board and the bow press. They don't feel, you know, they can't mm-hmm. set it up or deal with it. Oh. So if they buy a used one, then they're like, oh, I got to go. They don't know their draw length. They don't, you know. So yet again, another reason why I think before you buy a new bow, like best purchases ever are a bow press and a draw board. Yeah. But, oh, wow. So it might even be worth testing out the new bows so you know which one to look for next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think if you're blatantly doing that, like make sure you throw your pro shop some love, mm-hmm. and buy some arrows or something else when you're there, you know, right. just to like, get a little, little money. I mean, it's part of the game, but like they are a business. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's not bad to go in there and shoot a bunch of them. And, you know, if they're a chill place, they're usually pretty excited just to have you come in and, mm-hmm. and uh, spend a few bucks and try them out. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet, man. I think that covers. Is there anything else we missed? I don't think so. I think that's kind of it for the 2022 bows. I mean, I've got a bunch of thoughts on arrows and other things and building great elk arrows. So we can maybe do another episode on that because I'm going to be switching around some brands and some, some stuff there. But, uh, no, I think, you know, drop us a line. Let us know what your thoughts are on the bows for 2022 and, yeah, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, I think it's, I'm also just paying to get excited about the hobby again, you know, like <laughs> get fired up and like yeah. have something I'm really excited to shoot and tune and play with. And, um, yeah, so it's always, yeah, people give, 
give cred about buying new bows and all that stuff. But I think it's also a really cool thing because it gets you all fired up again on the active archery, which is yeah, which is really fun. Totally. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we are back at it and, uh, we'll continue with our episodes bi-weekly and some periodic check-ins. Um, so yeah. And then I don't know if we've asked this for in a while, but you know, if you like our show, if you're finding value, please give us a review, share it with a friend. We, uh, this is a passion project of ours. It's fun to do, but would love to continue helping out more new bow hunters. So thank you for listening.